0: The Pittsburgh Pirates 2023 off-season is almost here. Let's take a trip down memory lane and go look at another off-season that could pale a lot of comparisons to what the Pirates might be looking forward to this off-season and moving forward. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates. My name is Ethan Smith, your host of this wonderful podcast, bringing you news, analysis, opinions, and reactions to everything that the Pittsburgh Pirates do all the time year-round. Guys, I hope you're having a phenomenal Wednesday. Thank you for tuning into this show, as you always do on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get this wonderful podcast. And on today's show, I think it's time to get a little creative and go back to an offseason that, as you can tell by the title card, I think is very, very important to go look back on based on what the Pirates might be doing this offseason to improve and be a better baseball team. And the 2023 offseason folks is going to be very important. It is going to be one of the most important offseasons the Pirates have had in quite some time. Now, obviously there have been some important offseasons in the past, most notably 2016 comes to mind for me as a as probably the most impactful offseason that the Pirates last had. But I think it's been a while now for Pirates fans and myself to think about bringing in talent to make this team better rather than just sending it out for nothing. And I think that's a very important thing to look forward to if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan over the next couple of months with this team constructing the roster in a way that is going to look better than what it looked like at the end of the season. And even at the end of the year, the Pirates looked like a pretty good baseball team, folks. Now, one offseason, of course, in my opinion, could pale comparison to the one that we'll see in the coming months. And I go back to the 2012-2013 offseason. And we start, obviously, with the 2012 season when the Pirates ended the 2012 campaign, 79-83, and Of course, they were just a mere three games better than 2023 in 2012. And again, 11 years apart, it's hard to really fully compare these two offseasons. I understand that. But there are certain things that you can go back on, end that offseason, and look at and say, okay, this looks pretty comparable to what we're watching right now. Now, after that, of course, in 2012, thanks to a lot of the moves that were made, In the 2013 offseason, they went on to make three straight postseason appearances, of course, in 2013 and 2015, with 2013 being their first winning record since 1992. You guys know all that. But what moves were made in 2012 that impacted those teams? Well, let's take a walk down memory lane, folks, and figure out what was going on, because arguably... For starters, the biggest acquisition in the 2012 offseason came on November 30th. It was actually one of the first moves that the Pirates had made in the offseason. And that was when they signed Russell Martin to a two-year contract. And when they signed Russell Martin to that two-year deal, a lot of people didn't really think it was going to be as impactful as it would eventually be. And a lot of this stuff is hindsight because, again, hindsight is 2020. It's exactly what you're seeing from it. Now, of course, Martin was signed as a free agent after spending 2012 with the Yankees. And he did, of course, play in Pittsburgh for the duration of his contract. But at the time, the Pirates were in desperate need of a catcher and found one. You had so many different guys behind the plate trying to hone down that catcher position for the Pittsburgh Pirates at the time. And the Pirates, Frank quite frankly, got tired of it and decided to go get Russell Martin, who would really, really help solidify the position. And of course, we all know that Russell Martin's tenure was defined by one swing of the bat against Johnny Cueto on that faithful night in 2013. But what I also found interesting about Russell Martin looking back on it is that he actually received MVP votes in the National League. Both years that he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, obviously not like number two or number five or anything super high. He was 24th and 13th respectfully in MVP votes that year. Because of course we remember in 2013, Andrew McCutcheon won the MVP award, but he did become a staple behind the plate for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they made the postseason both years that he was there. Obviously he would then go on to do other things among baseball He was a phenomenal player in 2014 that, quite frankly, priced himself out of Pittsburgh uh, after hitting, like I think it was like 290 on the season while playing less games. And then, of course, came Francisco Cervelli and all that stuff. But we're sticking around the 2012 uh, era here with this Pittsburgh Pirates team. Another move that would also follow was Vin Mazzaro who was one of the more under-the-radar moves, I think, that a lot of people when they look back on this offseason are like, yeah, whatever. But then you actually look at this move and what it did for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2013, and he realized that it was one of the more under-the-radar moves of the entire offseason by any team in all of baseball. And he was, of course, traded from the Kansas City Royals to the Pittsburgh Pirates for players that Really, I don't think amounted to much. And Mazzaro had his best season of his eight-year MLB career with Pittsburgh in 2013. He had a 2.81 ERA, over 57 appearances. Now, he was not a major presence in the bullpen in the postseason. He only had 1.2 innings of work in the Cardinal series and three separate outings. Again, that can't even happen now in Major League Baseball, really, unless he was brought in for one out at the end of, every inning of work that he had. But he was a major component to that strong bullpen that the Pirates had at the time with Mark Melanson, uh, Jared Hughes. You look at Tony Watson. You look at all these guys that were Jason Grilly, who we'll like, kind of lightly talk about here as well. Mazz- I mean, he was just a lost guy there. Mazzara was just a guy that was in that bullpen that was making his presence felt and was Pitching quality innings, which again is something that any competitive team will always need over a 162 game season. Now, Mazzaro, of course, only stayed in Pittsburgh through 2014. Uh, He only appeared in five games, though, that year. And that was really it for him. But again, speaking just from the 2012 offseason, he did what he needed to do to get the team to the postseason. And one of the biggest questions. Surrounding the 2012 offseason, of course, involved Charlie Morton, who after debuting in 2009 became a mainstay in the rotation for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And he dealt with injuries in 2012. He only had nine starts that year and he ended up re-signing with Pittsburgh. But there still was kind of the lurking question, was he going to come back? Was he going to end up coming back and helping that rotation out? Well, he did. And in staying with Pittsburgh, he helped get them to three straight postseasons, as I've mentioned already. And he made 69 starts over three seasons, including one start in the postseason, which he did lose to the St. Louis Cardinals. But he was exactly the guy that the Pirates wanted at the time to complement Garrett Cole and Francisco Liriano. And his re- In the 2012 offseason, they include Jason Grilly and many minor league players. Jason Grilly, of course, became a staple in the bullpen for this team as well. And to repeat everything, because I might have froze right there, Morton was exactly the guy that the Pirates wanted to complement Francisco Liriano and Garrett Cole. And re-signing him again became one of the bigger offseason moves for them at the time. And then again, you look at Jason Grilly, you look at many of the minor league players that were signed in the calendar year 2012, and the Pirates were developing a young core that was coming along. Kind of sound familiar, folks? It should. But before we get into what they did in the calendar year 2013 as part of the 2012-2013 offseason, we'll be right back to talk to you about Chase Medical. Of course, Jace Medical is here for you, folks. They are here for you to help you empower yourself in situations when you absolutely need it. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on notifications. Of course, you choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Jace is continually working to expand their medication offerings. And in those efforts, they've added in a vermisin as an option in the Jace case. By the way, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you could also do with uh, Jace Medical, like buying a gift card buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own. So go to JaceMedical.com and enter the code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jasc And folks, welcome back to segment two of today's episode of Locked on Pirates, where we're revisiting, of course, the 2012-2013 offseason and kind of comparing what happened in that offseason to what could happen in this offseason for the Pittsburgh Pirates in the year 2023. As always, thank you so much for tuning into this show, as you always do. Later in the week, of course, we're going to be previewing the World, uh, World Series, and I will give my official World Series prediction. In the final segment of today's show, we're looking at how the Diamondbacks and the Rangers got to this point. So later in the week, we'll be looking at how, what I think will happen. And as far as the Pirates go, we're just going to keep talking about the offseason. We're going to keep talking about things that you guys have questions about. If you ever want me to answer a question on air, just send it on Twitter at LockedOnPirates, and I will make sure to answer it. Now, when you're looking at the 2023 offseason versus the 2012 offseason, I think two things immediately come to mind. The first is that 2012 was 11 years ago, folks. And the second is that it was a different regime in the front office. Those are going to be the two biggest things that you're looking at when comparing the two. But the reason that I'm comparing the two is to show you all that's something I think is worthy of speaking about When you look at how the Pirates operated in that season for starters, I think when you go look back at this 2012 season, none of the moves the Pirates made in the 2012 offseason were like huge signings, they were not signings that you would otherwise think were out of the norm. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, especially from the outside view in the public eye, if you weren't a Pirates fan and you saw that the fact that they re-signed Charlie Morton and signed Francisco Liriano and Russell Martin, you'd probably think that's just a normal offseason. That's just an offseason where you're filling holes and getting guys that are going to help you in the long run. Now, Martin, Morton, Grilly, and Mazzaro isn't an offseason that you'd look at and say, hell yeah, we did great, but in hindsight, they did. But guess what, folks? That was just what they did in the year 2012. The calendar turned and even more moves came to follow. Because you enter Jeff Carstans, Garrett Jones, Gabby Sanchez, Kyle Waldron, Neil Walker, Francisco Liriano, and Brandon Inch. Now again, none of those names particularly jump off the page when you're looking at it. But they are players that quickly flip the switch for the Pirates franchise when the switch needed to be flipped. And you look at the acquisitions as a whole, some of them do actually pair comparison to what the Pirates need today. You look at the Pirates' rotation right now, and obviously Mitch Keller is the guy in your rotation. You know that. Mitch Keller is going to be the guy. And starting pitching has been a talking point about for five months now for what the Pirates are going to do to hone the position down and make the rotation better around Mitch Keller and whatever else has to offer. And with Charlie Morton and Francisco Liriano being signed in 2012 when they wanted to sure up the rotation around, oh, uh, the rookie Garrett Cole, who ended up being very good and is still playing baseball 10 years later, though we're Major signings, but they were signings that did exactly what they were supposed to do, and that was create a solid rotation around your ace. Think the Pirates are going to try to do that this offseason, folks? Yeah, probably. How about first base with Garrett Jones and Gabby Sanchez? It was a position that the Pirates desperately needed to fill. The former, Garrett Jones, was with the team already, and the latter, Gabby Sanchez helped create a a strong platoon at a position of need for the team when they most needed it. And that's just something that you look at and say, okay, look at the pirates in today's age right now. Who's your first baseman? Is it Henry Davis? (laughs) Is it Jared Triolo? Is it Connor Joe is your first baseman somewhere in the minors, but just too far away. We all could probably guess they're going to go out and get a first baseman too. Now, of course, the Pirates re-signed many of their players through arbitration as well. You look at Josh Harrison, who I always mention, his jersey's still right here. Starling Marte. You look at guys that were signed through uh, arbitration. But again, you've heard all these moves. And not one of those moves was really out of the Pirates' price range. None of those moves were exactly flashy. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to get here too when I'm comparing the two offseasons to each other. Because I just don't think this offseason needs to be flashy either. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that the Pirates need to sit on their laurels here and not do anything in the offseason because they absolutely should. But I'm also not saying that they need to go break the bank on a guy like Jordan Montgomery. Or that they need to break the bank on a guy like Blake Snell. I just don't think that's something that the Pirates absolutely have to do for them to be a competitive, potentially wild card or NL Central winning team this year. And in 2012, the needs were clear and the core was growing. You look at it now and you fast forward to 2023 and you have a core of Brian Reynolds. You have a core of Key Brian Hayes. You have Mitch Keller, David Bednar, O'Neill Cruz, and others that are growing as a group with clear needs at hand. Does that sound familiar again? The Pirates folks are going to sign two, maybe even three starters this year. But don't expect anything out of the norm from what they would normally go after out of a starting pitcher because it doesn't need to be out of the norm. They don't need to go out and get Jordan Montgomery. Would it be nice? Yes, it would be phenomenal if they did it, but they won't do it. It's not. And again, it's something they don't have to do. There are other options in free agency that are cheaper that could eventually be more fruitful. They also need a first baseman, but I want to know this in the comments if you're uh, if you feel inclined. Are you comfortable giving Reese Hoskins or Max Muncie $15 million a year when there's other options that are cheaper or potentially more fruitful, like, I don't know, Josh Bell or, I don't know, Brandon Belt? There's options out there, folks, that are there that you might not think are going to be the flashy signings like Vince Velasquez. And, yes, we all cackled at the video that we got of Vince Velasquez But he was really turning it up before he got hurt. And he looked like he was going to be another reclamation project for this team. And you'd expect a bullpen signing as well. But again, as far as that goes, there's no need to break the bank for anything because you're right there. You just need complementary pieces that are going to fill positions of need. You don't need anything that's going to be flashy. You just don't. Just look around at the free agents, folks, and just do some research because the Pirates are going to do things that none of us expect them to do this year, but they're also going to do things that we do expect them to do this year. And if the 2012 offseason could teach us and the front office anything when the Pirates are in the spot they're in, I really just think it's not to overthink what needs to be done. Get what you need and get out. If you can get other things that you think are going to help this team be competitive in 2024, do it. Because the clock is ticking at this point. You're about to enter year five of this. For Ben Charrington, year four. But you're about to enter year five of a rebuild. You haven't made the postseason since 2015 and haven't sniffed it since 2018. At some point, it's time to put up or shut up. But putting up or shutting up has nothing to do with spending boatloads of money to bring in players. Ask the Mets how that worked. Ask the Yankees how that worked for them. Ask the Padres how that worked for them. The Arizona Diamondbacks, folks, are in the World Series with the 21st payroll in baseball because they did exactly what they needed to do. They made very smart trade deadline moves, and they brought in guys to complement their star player, Corbin Carroll. And again, I'll end this with saying, get what you need. Don't break the bank in doing so. Lock up your core and go for it. That should be the thoughts you and I and people making the decisions should have about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And in the final segment, you guys have seen my tweet about the Diamondbacks and now they're in the World Series. Could have been the Pirates after the 20-8 start. But we're going to talk about how the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks got to the World Series, some things the Pirates could learn from it, and some former Pirates that will be in the Fall Classic. But before that, we're going to talk about FanDuel. Folks, you like making money, right? You like sports betting. I know you enjoy it. We all have fun doing it, but always bet responsibly. But, you know, if some of the risk was taken away and more reward was added, would you bet more often? Well, that's what FanDuel is doing for you right now because the World Series is right around the corner and you can make your World Series debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because if you join FanDuel today and you get started with $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed, they're giving you $200 for basically free when you place your first $5 bet. So you could win that $5 bet on a same-game parlay or a money line or anything you want to bet on, and win or lose, you're still getting $200 in bonus bets guaranteed, and all you have to do is visit fanduel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. You can bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at bat. So head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on right now and step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed and make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball and an official partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Alrighty, everybody, and thank you so much to FanDuel and Jace Medical for sponsoring this episode here on Wednesday, October 25th. As I mentioned in the second segment, you're going to probably get two more episodes this week, tomorrow and Friday. And then next week, you're going to get a birthday show with me. Me and Gary are going to be on on uh, Gary Morgan Monday on my birthday. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. And hopefully you enjoyed that comparison, seeing as the 2012-2013 offseason is one of my favorites to look back on. But now not entirely Pirates related. I think it's time that we talk about the World Series that awaits us on Friday. Now, again, I am not giving my official preview or predictions for the World Series until Friday. That will be when that happens. But we know the teams that will be playing on Friday. It's going to be in Texas. It's going to be the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks who both won Game 7s on the road to secure World Series spots. Shout out to Miller Thomas over at Locked On Diamondbacks and shout out to Bryce Patrick over at Locked On Rangers. If you don't listen to their podcast, go listen to it right now because they're going to have tons of insight on what's going on in the world of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers as they head into the fall classic. For the Rangers, it's the first time since 2011 that they've been in the World Series and they never won it before. For the Diamondbacks... It's their first appearance since 2001, we remember Randy Johnson, and they won the World Series that year. Just four years after becoming an MLB franchise. Now, if we would have went back to July, this wouldn't have been like as shocking as it is now that this was the World Series matchup. Seeing as the Rangers had a five game lead in the NL West or uh, yeah, the AL West, and the Diamondbacks had a three game lead in the AL West. Now, both of these teams came out of the wild card round with the 84-win Diamondbacks having the third lowest win total of all time in a World Series. By the way, go scroll through my Twitter, find that tweet I had about the Pirates and the Diamondbacks and how the Pirates could have had a losing record and had 84 wins and probably could have been here right now. Also, interestingly enough, both of these teams lost 100 games in 2021, And they got here in very different ways. Uh, The Rangers, of course, have broken the bank over the past two off-seasons. You look at Jacob deGrom, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and others that have been brought in. You look at the trades they've made for Max Scherzer. You look at Jordan Montgomery being a big trade piece or Roldis Chapman. The the D-backs, meanwhile, have more built around Corbin Carroll while making moves to complement the lineup around him. And, of course, the crucial... Paul Seawald deadline move that was huge but despite the spending and moves though I think both of these teams have a decent amount of homegrown talent I mean you look at the Rangers the three names that immediately come to mind are Evan Carter, Josh Young, and Leota Tavares and they've all made their own contributions along the playoff run that have been notable and similarly the Diamondbacks have the 21st ranked payroll in baseball thanks to a ton of young homegrown talent like Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, Geraldo Perdomo, and Brandon Fott, who's been a major part of this postseason for the Diamondbacks. Now, obviously, to tie in the Pirates here, there are some former Pirates who are going to be involved. You have Chris Stratton and Austin Hedges for the Rangers, and the Diamondbacks, of course, have Mark Melanson, but he is inactive. Of course, the Rangers not really using Chris Stratton and Austin Hedges all that much either, and as mentioned, I'll give my predictions for the series later this week. But I will say I'm pleasantly surprised and excited for this matchup. And I'm excited for the young stars. I'm excited for Adolis Garcia, Corbin Carroll, um, Jonah Heim. I'm really excited for Evan Longoria as well, folks. I think him getting back is very fun. But that's how we'll end the show. Thank you guys for tuning in as you always do on all of your podcast platforms. My name is Ethan Smith. You can follow me on Twitter right there at MVP underscore Ethan or at locked on pirates for all of your news analysis, reactions and opinions of everything going on in the world of the Pittsburgh pirates. You can also like, and subscribe this channel on YouTube at locked on pirates. And you can find locked on pirates on Spotify, Odyssey, Google play or Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday, October 25th, and I will see you on the flip side.